And Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Uh, unfortunately, for many people, that's true. Like our feeling of the Christmas season can be blue and down and difficult. Or maybe it's just a little bit of a, a dip up during a really difficult season of life. And there's people listening and watching today for whom this is just a really tough season. And the Linuses in your life, the people around you, they just don't get it. They're like, how can you take this wonderful season to make this blue? And you're thinking, I'm not making this blue. I'm trying my best to take this all in and to allow Jesus to lift my spirit and take it in and, and focus on his first coming and wait for his second coming. But for many people, it might feel, and maybe you today, that God doesn't see or God just doesn't care. So the truth is that we need joy, and that's the theme of today. I don't know if you noticed, but today is lighting the joy candle, and we do need joy. So maybe you have times when you're un unhappy or where you've got a little bit of a, a despair that sits heavy on your heart, times you don't see an end to it. The reality is that God hasn't been silent in the way that we think. God isn't ignoring us. He does see what's going on, and he actually has done something about it. Something already, something today. And so today I really want to help us discover where we can find joy, how we can grab hold of it, so, so finding it and receiving it, how we can experience it, and how we can spread joy. And it is possible. Joy like hope and peace that we focused on the last two weeks is a gift. Joy is a gift we receive. But it's a little bit different than the Christmas gifts you have under your Christmas tree because you come in and you kind of know where they are. I mean, they've probably been hiding up until Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. But you know where to find them. But joy is a little more elusive. Joy, even during the Christmas season, has to be mined for a little bit. We have to watch for it. We have to find it. And so joy, being a part of the Christmas season, is something important to look for. We know it's in uh, Christmas carols. We've just sung them. It's in, on cards and in books. It's a big part of the Christmas season, and for good reason. Here's a few places we find them. The wise men in, Math, uh, in Matthew 2.10 say, say this. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. So even just seeing the star... They were filled with joy. Elizabeth, who is the aunt of uh, Jesus, or at least cousin of Mary, uh, she is pregnant with John the Baptist, and Mary is pregnant with Jesus. And Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, and when Mary says, hello, this is what we read in Luke 1. When I heard your greeting, Elizabeth says, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. That's a pretty big deal, that baby John the Baptist experienced joy because of Jesus in, in the womb. That's, that's a big deal. We should pay attention to that. And finally, Luke 2. Uh, the angels shared a message of joy with the shepherds. But the angel reassured them. Verse 10, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Jesus and the good news about him brings joy. So what is joy? Like, how can we find it? How can we experience it? How can we spread it? Well, joy is not a feeling, but we can feel joy. Joy is not happiness, though when we feel joyful, we can be happy. Joy is a state of being that goes beyond our circumstances. 
Um, it's an action word. And in many cultures, when they speak of joy, they give it idioms or they give um, word pictures to help understand it. So people will say, I'm so joyful it feels like my heart is singing or I'm so joyful I feel like dancing. And so we put these action words into joy. And it's, it's not difficult to understand, but it holds a lot of meaning. And so it's much deeper than feeling. It's much uh, greater than something we just experience or, or a circumstance. The heart for followers of Jesus, of joy, is found in the person of Jesus. Joy isn't found in something that happens or even a date on the calendar or a season of the year, although we can find joy there. Joy for followers of Jesus is rooted in the person of Jesus and it's experienced for us in his presence. So when we come into his presence regularly, we can find and experience joy. So how is it that Jesus would bring joy then? Well, just kind of re rewind in your memories to Luke 2, 10, and 11. It says he is the Savior, he's the Messiah, and he's the Lord. What do those things mean? Well, a Savior uh, is someone who, who would save you from something. It's, it's pretty basic. But what does he save us from? Well, one of the main things is the power of sin. He doesn't just save us from our sins, the sins that we commit. He saves us from the power of sin. So when Adam and Eve sinned, this power at work in the world came and rested in the world. It's at work all around us, in our hearts and in the world, all, all around us. This power of sin is at work. And so Jesus frees us from being under that. Before Jesus, our hearts are uh, drawn towards this power, more likely to listen to this power, drawn away from God. But in Christ, we don't have to anymore. We're, we're not subject to its power. I mean, we still have its effects and we still have patterns of behavior where we're used to coming under this power of sin, temptation, giving in. But Jesus saves us from that. Jesus is Messiah. The word Messiah simply means a promised deliverer. And so Jesus saves us from our sin, but he delivers us uh, from darkness. So there's this power of sin, and the power of sin does things in the world and makes it a pretty dark, gloomy, horrible place. And that's the intent of sin. The end result of sin is death, physically, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, all that life that we're supposed to have in Jesus. Uh, apart from him, there's just death to be found there, metaphorical and literal. And so Messiah He's the deliverer from darkness, and he's Lord. So if you're saved from something, you don't necessarily have to ever talk to that person again. You can say thank you and move on with your life. If someone delivers you from a system of oppression, so an organization or a person comes and delivers you, rescues you out of this uh, system of oppression, you can say thank you and move on with your life and never talk to that person. But a Lord is very different. A Lord is like a king. A Lord is someone you follow. A Lord is someone you come under. So rather than being under the power of sin and under the dominion of darkness, Jesus saves us and delivers us from that so that he can be Lord of our life. And for someone to be Lord, it means you commit your ways to follow him. You come under his kingdom. You learn to live in his ways. It's the same as if you would uh, travel from Canada and go to another culture and country you're not used to the customs and patterns you'd have to learn. And if you stand in opposition to the rulers there, to the authorities there, it's going to be hard on your life. And the same thing when we are saved and delivered by Jesus and, and don't come under his authority and lordship, it makes things all out of sorts and difficult. 
Jesus came that we might be saved from the power of sin. Jesus came that we might be delivered from the dominion of darkness. Jesus came that he might, because of those things, be Lord of our life. And so we can find joy in Jesus. Jesus has come to transform, as he's Lord of your life, your defaults. The default uh, patterns of behavior, your desires, what, what you want to move towards. As I said, you know, before Jesus were drawn under the power of sin, away from God, under Jesus were drawn to him. And so he wants to change your defaults and your desires. He's come to be light in your darkness and your despair. He doesn't want you to have the Charlie Brownie as Christmas season or life. He wants you to experience light in your darkness to bring joy to your despair. But it's in the person and presence of Jesus. David knew this well. David was the king of Israel uh, hundreds, thousands of years before Jesus. And prophecies about Jesus would say, you know he's the Savior and Messiah and Lord because he will be in the kingly line of David. So he will be in that whole bloodline. And Joseph was a descendant of David. And David knew this idea of finding joy in the presence of God. He says this in Psalm 1611. You will show me that way of life, God. You'll show me the way. And that's fulfilled in Jesus. And David didn't have the fulfillment, but even in the, in the Father, granting me the joy of your presence. The joy of your presence. And so David knew this. NIV says it even better. You make known to me the path of life, the way way I follow Jesus. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Joy comes from proximity to Jesus. When we draw near to Jesus, we have opportunity to experience joy. And that's an important thing to remember. When we discover who Jesus is and what he's done for us, we can find joy. And I think that uh, when we look at the Christmas narrative, we'll notice that, that as people encounter Jesus, as people encounter the presence of Jesus, as people encounter the reality that this Savior, this Messiah, this Lord has come, who he is and what he's done for the world, but also for us, we can find joy in that. So why on earth don't we have more joy? So, so follow this, right? Jesus comes and he offers joy. It, it will be good news of great joy. Why? Because this Savior, Messiah, Lord has come. And if he saved you from sin and delivered you from darkness and now he's the Lord of your life, you can experience joy. Makes sense? Absolutely. We can all follow that. Here I am feeling Charlie Brown. So why don't I have more joy if I'm supposed to experience that? It's supposed to be the way I live. It's the gift that Jesus gives me. Well, as I thought about it, there's five things. You could probably come up with more, but I thought of at least five things that keep us from finding and experiencing sharing joy in Jesus. Uh, victory, freedom, belonging, having blind eyes, and celebration. So let's start with victory. Uh, if you are not experiencing the salvation from sin, victory over sin, the power of sin and your sinful behaviors and thoughts and patterns, it's no wonder you're not experiencing joy. And so if that's you today and you've got some habitual sins, some sin, uh, hidden sins, some stuff you can't just get over, I don't want you to hear guilt in this. Because often when we've got a private sin or a hidden sin or something we just can't overcome, 
instantly shame and guilt come, and we think that's the reaction and response we should have to this. But that's the exact opposite that Jesus wants us to have. He wants us to have victory. And realizing that the power of sin over us is broken already is a very freeing thing. And what I've found in my life is the more I fight against that sin to try and prove myself to Jesus, good patterns, read good books, and all the kind of good tools you can put in your life to overcome a sinful pattern. They're good, but they only last for a time. But when I align my life with Jesus, and when I get in proximity with him and pursue him and begin to become more like him, then he takes all these things I do in and through him, and he brings this power and this vitality and this victory to it. Victory is that sense of beginning to move from this power of sin to power of Jesus. Move from this kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. So that your behavior in a particular area of your life, uh, you might once in a while over here under the power of sin have the odd victory. And it feels good, but it's not lasting. And as you grow and mature and learn to put those things to death and put those things away... Put those things aside. Leave those things with Jesus and he gives you victory. Then over here you begin to experience falling and struggle. So, so the thing you found most common and you most struggle with and did. So you, you did the sinful behavior and once in a while you're victorious. As you grow and mature you find you have victory most of the time. But once in a while you fall. There is a difference Okay, there's a difference between the everyday struggle with sin and being in bondage and overcome. They're two different things. Everyone here and watching will always struggle with sin. All of us. Until Jesus comes again and perfects us, we'll struggle with sin. We'll fall. We will fail. But if that is your experience in a particular area or areas of your life, you won't experience joy because you're not experiencing victory. Part of joy is victory. The next thing is freedom. So if victory is that kind of release from the power of sin and moving over here, freedom is that next step. So if you've not experienced freedom from the dominion of darkness and the replacing of your desires and defaults, that's all our desires are. It's our defaults. It's what we long after. So where uh, before Christ or while you're struggling with sin, your desire, it's always there. You're always tempted. The desire of your heart is towards this thing. Jesus plant something new in you. If you've not experienced that, there's great joy to be found there. Where you find that your desires and your defaults start to just miraculously lean into different area, a different way in your life. And once you begin to experience freedom, you find joy. So there's joy found once you begin to have victory. There's joy found once you learn to walk in freedom. But there's joy found in belonging. So we've got victory and freedom. Belonging in a church family, a church body, we're called a living temple, a community, a congregation, whatever we call this. When you find belonging here, you find joy. Because we find when we're in a community, when we're in a place of belonging, that we have people who can hold us up when we're struggling and when we're learning to walk free. We need people. We need Jesus first, but we need people second. We need people who help us follow Jesus. People helping people follow Jesus. That's why we say this again and again and again. You can't separate your spiritual life from your life with others. Uh, and the two have to go hand in hand. And lots of people try.
do it on their own, follow Jesus, you won't have victory. Lots of people get really involved with church systems and structures and leave Jesus behind. And you have to have both of these things. When you find belonging, you start to experience the joy of being together with others who follow Jesus too. And people who weep when you weep and are joyful when you're joyful, who bear your burdens and you bear theirs. That's how it's supposed to be. If you're not experiencing this, what we typically do, and I've done it too, when I go to a new church or a new setting or I'm around a you know, new group of pastors or something like that, I wait to be invited. And I Charlie Brown my heart till I'm not welcome. And I mean, Charlie Brown had it tough, right? Like, he wasn't invited to the Christmas party. Horrible. He's set up as the director, and then they tell him he does a bad job. He goes out to get a Christmas tree. You can't do that right. And we tend to just sit and sulk and wait for someone to be invited. And it's important to be invited. But we have to do some of the finding our belonging on our own. So put yourself out there. Find some belonging. If you have belonging here, welcome others into that. Should never be us four and no more. Okay, it should always be expanding, expanding, expanding. That is how we're to be known. Jesus, we, we see in Scripture, you will, people will know you're my followers, know you've been saved and delivered and have this Lord of your life because you love one another. If you're not experiencing belonging, there's a good chance that you're not experiencing joy to the full. Sometimes we think God has a blind eye. Okay, so sometimes we go through stuff and we're like, God, where are you? Like, I'm going through this stuff. If I were God, I'd be like right there and fix it all. And when God doesn't fix it all, we think he's distant. The crazy and awesome and amazing thing about talking about joy at Christmas is this. For 400 years, wrap your mind around that, 400. That's like four to five to six generations, or depending on world history, it's like eight. Okay, that's a lot of generations of people who heard nothing from God. God was completely silent for 400 years. It wasn't that he wasn't working. He just wasn't visibly active. He was there. He was working. The next time people encountered God was when angels filled the sky, when a star showed up, when a virgin conceived, when angels showed up in dreams, and it was like this onslaught of amazing things that people could be joyful about, but they had to wait. When you find joy in situations in your life where you can't see God working, where you can't seem to hear him when he seems distant and silent, and where are you, God, when you find joy there, that's a joy that can never be taken from you, and you will not be shaken. That is a depth of joy. That's what I mean, that joy is a state of being beyond your circumstances. It's so easy for us to be happy like, happy when things go well. Like, Christmas Day is great. Okay, parents, tune in on me. You, you all know this if you're a parent, right? You bought something really special, right? And your kids open that up, and you're so excited, and they open it, and they're smiling, and like an hour or two later, they're crying, or they're like, what's wrong? I didn't like this gift, or I broke this gift, or right? It goes from so happy to why did we do Christmas at all, right? You have all this woo, right? That's not joy. Joy is this deep-seated thing. Doesn't mean you don't have Charlie Brown days. Doesn't mean you don't have highs and lows. It means there is a deep-seated faith and trust in Jesus. And you can find those things of where he's working, what he's doing, even if you can't see 
or sense it. God has not turned a blind eye, and that kind of joy, that's deep and lasting. We so often wonder where God is and why aren't you doing... When we build that kind of faith, and you, the only way you can do that, honestly, is by finding belonging. You need others around you to help you in those times. You need it. But when you find joy there, it is deep and it's lasting. The fi- final thing I think that keeps us from uh, finding, experiencing, sharing joy is celebration. Plain and simple. Look, if, if you look at the Old Testament and the, the patterns that they follow on into the Gospels and then uh, what the early church kind of replicated being mainly converted Jews... God set up his people, Israel, as they were rescued out of slavery from Egypt. It's, it's, a, it's a, a look into what it's like to be rescued from under the power of sin. What did God do for them as a nation? He gave them these laws and, and ways to, to be as a community. And one of the really key things was celebration. He mandated that they have parties and celebrations and feasts all throughout the year. When they're sacrificing for sin, it's a feast. When they're harvesting, it's a feast. When they hit certain times of the year, when they remember what God has done in the past, it's a feast, it's a celebration. Some of them were for a day. Some of them were for several days. Celebration, 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 celebration. And they've got dancing and music and feasting and all sorts of stuff. And we hit Christmas season, and that's one of the reasons we get excited. Because like we're going to hopefully meet with people and we're eating and we've got Christmas parties and we do all these things and it's like this one time of the year as North Americans we get super excited. This morning in prayer time as well, somebody said, you know, I, I experienced a bit of another culture at, at this, this Christmas in a, in a Christmas concert and man, it's awesome to see how they, they're just more willing to come out of their shell and worship and celebrate and be more vocal. As a congregation, we're a pretty reserved bunch. Like, we're pretty chill, right? We're, we're relaxed, you know. Don't rock the boat. Are you okay with Jesus? Yeah, it's okay with Jesus. You sure? Yeah, I'm good. Like, we're just kind of, you know, are you happy that, yeah, Jesus, you know, he, he really warms my heart. We're, we're just, we're just kind of, yeah, it's okay. Like, we're not bad. We're not up here. We're just okay. We don't know how to celebrate very well. And one of the things we recognize as leadership uh, through some surveys, especially some things that Gavin uh, work did with us is to recognize we need not only rec- uh, reconnection post-pandemic, but we need celebration. And so these services that we're calling church together services are really important to experience and find joy. Our next one's January 8th. You just have to come to service. The kids are upstairs. It's not a kid's service that the adults suffer through. It's not an adult's service that the kids have to suffer through. It's for everybody. And if you can stay for lunch, stay for lunch and have some fun. We'll have some soup and some cake and all sorts of stuff. It's meant for us as a church family to celebrate. Look back on the year at what God has done. Look forward to what he's doing. Be together. Get to know new people. Create some belonging. Celebrate victory and freedom and who we are in Christ. It's so important and we do it like this much. wonder we lack joy as a culture and as a church family. And so we're trying to work in times of celebration. Joy is a gift. But it's not sitting under a Christmas tree easy to find. You have to look for it. So how do we begin to find joy? I think there's two ways we can do that. To remember and to recount 
what Jesus has done. If you remember and recount what Jesus has done, you can more likely find joy. Remember and recount what Jesus has done to find joy. What do I mean by that? Remember who he is and recount what he's done. Remember who he is and recount what he's done. Remembering who Jesus is, is being caught up into that reality that he is my savior. I have been saved from the power of sin. He is my Messiah, my promised deliverer, who has delivered and brought me out of this kingdom of darkness, this old pattern of life, the old me who I can fall back into so easily, but it, it just doesn't feel right. He, he's a savior, a deliverer, and he is the Lord of my life. So being Lord, I can follow him in this new kingdom, this kingdom of love, this kingdom of joy. And when you remember that he is above all this, he's bigger than your circumstances, when you remember who he is, who Jesus is, the one through whom everything was created, the one in whom all creation is held together still, and he lives here, that's a big deal. You can begin to find joy. So remember who he is, but recount what he's done. Recounting what he's done means to reach way down deep into your memory and your heart and pull out the things that Jesus has done for you and putting them right in the forefront of your life and looking at them and thanking God and recounting specifically. This isn't just some kind of like, Jesus is great, so I shouldn't be sad. God never asks you to sweep your feelings and your circumstances under the carpet so you can pretend like what we do at church, right? How are you today? Great. And you like fought with the kids on the way in and things are going bad at work and your, your world's falling apart, but you're great, right? He doesn't ask that. He invites you to come authentically. But even in our authenticity with all our Charlie Brownness, when we remember that he's over all those things and we dig these things up and put them at the forefront of our mind, we recount what he's done before knowing he'll do it again, guess what you find? Joy. And I can speak from personal experience. Even over the past few weeks as I've been studying joy and learning it and doing this for myself, knowing that in times when I'm looking at things that look bleak and dark and what's going to happen in this situation or that, Remembering who Jesus is and recounting what he's done specifically in my life and in our family's life, that brings joy. And suddenly the dark things, there's a little bit more light. Suddenly the despair, there's a little bit more joy. And that's how we find it. And we find it piece by piece. And as we do, we begin to draw close to him. And as we spend time in his presence again and again, remembering who he is and recounting what he's done, Devotion times, prayer times, time throughout the day, again and again. In his presence, we are filled with the fullness of joy. Remember, Jesus said, John 15, I'm like a vine, you in my kingdom are like branches. You stay connected to me and you'll do well. You will grow fruit, Paul says. The fruit that blooms out of your life, that God plants in you, one of those is joy. And the thing he brings from within you is joy. He wants you to have that, but it just doesn't come naturally, even though it's a gift. It comes as a gift as we get in the proximity and presence of Jesus. Remembering and recounting is so important. Remember and recount what Jesus has done to find joy. 
Remember how great he is? Recount the things he's done that are great. And see if you don't just find you begin to have victory where you didn't before. You begin to walk in freedom where you didn't before. You begin to find a sense of belonging in his kingdom and in different parts of his kingdom, like a church family and in smaller groups. You find that God's not ignoring you at all and not turning a blind eye. He just might be silent at this time because he's working in ways you can't understand. And in the waiting, you find joy. And then you will find ways to celebrate. There's nothing greater than celebrating. In fact, J- January 1st, our, um, our first service back in, in the new year is a testimony Sunday. We want to start our year by recounting some of the great things God has done, giving you a chance to say, hey, here as I look at this last year, here's something God did. I, want, I just want to celebrate. I want to share so we can hold that together as a community and as a church family. Take time this Christmas season to remember who Jesus is, how great he is. Take time to recount and bring out of the memory, the storehouse of this year or the past few years or years ago what he's done. And you will find that joy will come into the darkness. Light comes into the darkness. Joy comes into despair. It's what he wants. It's the reason he came. So that when you hear read, when you read it, when you hear in songs what the angels announce, that this is good news, you can have the experience of understanding how and why it brings joy to all people. Not all people. You. All people, including you. Remember and recount who Jesus is and what he's done, and you'll find joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that uh, your ways are higher than ours, that you were silent for 400 years. We can't even imagine that. Sometimes when you're quiet for like four days, we begin to wonder what's up. Father, give us victory over the power of sin because you're Savior. Deliver us into this kingdom of freedom and and life because you're Messiah. Help us to find belonging. Help us to find a deep faith that you knows you're working even when we can't see you. Help us to find this uh, celebration as we live in your kingdom because you're Lord. And help us over this Christmas season to find, to grab hold of, to experience and to share joy as we remember who you are and as we recount what you've done. Give us a wonderful day, a wonderful week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Thanks so much for being with us this morning and online as well. If you're able to stack the chairs here 10 high, that would be